What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my one co-host, Vito Anizelli. We have another great show for you, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Welcome back to, what is this, episode three, season two right now? Episode three, season dose. Love to see it. Love to see it. Um, I'm, if I'm ready, I mean, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's just hop right into the show. We got some recent yep. transfers we want to talk about real quick. Yeah. Um, Sergio Gomez signing $14 million to City. Uh, Spanish left back also can double as an attacking midfielder, surprisingly. Young kid, 21 years old. Obviously seen a little bit of coverage for Jao Cancelo now that uh, Cucurea went over to, to Chelsea instead. We had talked about if there was only one place – well, there is only one place City had to kind of get reinforcements, and it was at that position. So – Good on them going out getting getting a guy who uh, has a little bit of experience, but also has a, a pretty big potential um, in him as well. Yeah, I mean, kid's twenty one years old, like you said, left back can be a little, a little bit of a hybrid into the mid, um, and basically is in is in Chenko replacement at this point. And yeah. younger kid, we'll see how he pans out. Obviously, Premier League's not the easiest to adjust to, uh, but who knows? Um, and coming up, three straight for Nottingham Forest here. They are gunning all out to just stay up in this Premier League right now. I don't even know how many incoming signings they've had, but we'll rattle off a couple more here. Uh, Coyote was actually a free agent and had didn't wasn't on a club previously right now. Um, he signed a two-year deal with them to expire in June 2024. Uh, 288 appearances over the last eight years combined, uh, four for West Ham and four for Crystal Palace. Good signing, Premier League experience, middle of the park, helping keep out some goals in the center D position. I like the signing. Yeah, it's a good signing. Um, obviously, they, it's no surprise they've been signing people left and right. Um, but a good a good little pickup for them. I mean, any any amount of coverage and um, reinforcements is going to help. You know, this is a long season and a lot. It's very physical, so anyone can go down. So good on them for going out and picking them up. And proven Premier League, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up for them, too, Emmanuel Dennis. Uh, $16 million, uh, to Forrest again. Uh, coming over from Watford last season, 37 appearances, I think in all comps and 10 goals. Left winger, uh, for the most part, I don't know if he goes back left and right, but you're going to need attacking, you're going to need some goals. And we saw this past weekend where they were just clinging into life against West Ham. We'll get to that game later on today. But um, again, another good signing, I think. They need depth. They need something going forward. I'm all right with it. Yeah, and sorry, guys. Me, Steve might be breaking up just a little bit on your screen unless it's, it's just me. But, um, yeah, t- 10 goals last year for a struggling Watford side. So he's coming into a side he knows or he has experience with um, in terms of the play style and what he can expect from them in the Premier League, right? Like, obviously, Watford had their struggles last year, so he knows how to cope with that in the league and against these teams. So I think, for me, this is one of the bigger signings for them. Definitely the bigger of the two out of Coyote and, and, and Dennis. Um, and I think those 10 goals, that could be the difference – between staying up or not, honestly. So beautiful signing for them. I think he's going to go a long way in in their chances for avoiding relegation. Agreed. And then last one, uh, Remo, Remo Fuller. I don't know. Some German <laughs> Fuller, I don't know. German, French, whatever. Uh, $10 million. Was playing at Atlanta for the last couple of years. I think it was about five or six. Uh, 260 appearances, 21 goals. Not necessarily, you know, amazing going forward, but I mean, goal over 10 games, uh, give or take there. To me, a little bit older, 30 years old, feels like more of a depth uh, piece. They're going to need that in the Premier League. Obviously, most teams, that if you see them go anywhere or staying up, they have basically two stars every position um, or damn near close. Again, good signing. Him and Coyote, you know, right in the middle of the field. I I don't hate it. Like, all three of these, I'm not going to say they're going to, like, you know, shock the world, go top, uh, you know, top half of the table by any means, but they're looking to secure themselves. I like these more than I feel like a lot of their earlier ones. Yeah, definitely. I mean, considering that Froiler, Froiler, however you pronounce it, excuse me, was their 15th summer signing. Um, it sounds Isn't like that's how many 50, he was number 15, I think. And he signed actually after their first game. So it might even be up to 17 because Emmanuel Dennis and Coyote came after their first match like this week. So I, <laughs> that's absurd. That's absolutely absurd. But they're going to. They put all of their eggs in one basket, man. They really have. Um, if they go down, 
their wage bill and everything is not going to be sustainable at the championship level with all of these signings. So it's going oh, to be, be, be a heavy offload. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. But I also love it. You know, you're here. You first time in 23 years. Go for it. You know. Oh yeah, you, you, exactly. Like your goal is just to stay up. Like get that Premier League money another season. See what happens. Um, yeah. I wonder who spent more, Forrester or uh, Barcelona. <laughs> I, I would have to imagine saying Barcelona at this point. I don't know, man. A lot of those 10 and 15 millions, they, they keep adding up and adding up. They do. Well, Forrest can at least register all their players. So that's one. That's one. Yeah. Thing <laughs> Let's head over to our Stars and Stripes section. For those that don't know, this is where we just check out the United States men's national team players that performed well over the last week or so. Um, first up on the list, we had him last week as well. Malik Tillman, 67 minutes played, one goal, 89% passing, two chances created, three recoveries on defense, and 80% ground duels won. Um, we kind of discussed in last episode. I'm all in for him to, be, to make the Qatar uh, roster, especially the way he's playing recently. Um, your take, you kind of were unsure last week? Yeah, I, I'm a little bit unsure, and I don't think my my level of unsure comes necessarily from his performances and, and what he's been producing for his team when he's out there. I think it's more so aligned with whether or not Greg is going to be too rigid to to change his mind at this point, given that there's, what, maybe one friendly left, I think, against Japan and Germany. Um so we'll we'll see. I think I think he deserves the look. If there's someone you're going to be bringing in, he's he's definitely on that list. It's just whether or not Greg's going to want to change what's already in his mind. Yeah, I mean, he's in the last camp. I thought he performed pretty damn well for us too. Um, and I mean, honestly, if I'm Rangers at this point, then I'm bringing. The, I th- I don't know if they have an option to purchase. I think they do on his loan. Um, I'd be bringing him in without a doubt. So yeah, should be a fun one to watch come the summer. Uh, Jesus Ferrara, 63 minutes played, two goals, and a 4-1 win over San Jose. I feel like he's pretty much a lock at this point. Greg likes them absolutely guys as it is. Big, yeah, big there, there's no questions coming. on that one. Jesus Ferrara will be in the World Cup squad, and don't be surprised if he's starting the first match. Yeah, it's very possible. Um, Haji Wright, 76 minutes played, one goal, 80% passing, and won his only aerial duel. Um Curious about your your opinion on this one. He had an amazing second half of the season last year. He played his way back into the national team, uh, at least back into the senior squad for the first time ever um, after he had a great youth youth academy levels for us. Were you disappointed not to see him transfer to a bigger league? Yes, I I, I would say so. Um, the numbers he put up last year, and I believe it was thirty two appearances and and fourteen goals. I mean, while that's not the most stellar return of, of all time, I thought he could have made a move um, even to something like the the Dutch League um, would have suited him fairly well as well. But with that being said, he was flying under the radar with a lot of teams for a long time, and I'm not surprised that he wasn't probably getting a look at, especially having started with Schalke and, um, and not made the impact they needed to before moving down. So I think if he follows that up with a, another strong season, another 14, 15, 16 goal return, you will see him move to um, a, a bigger club. At that point, I would be very disappointed. But I think for the time being, his feet are underneath him. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it, Antelispor. Um, and and that is the most important for th- thing for him at this time is to continue producing an environment that he's comfortable with. Yeah, I, I agree. The only reason I'm not completely disappointed with like, – I won't say disappointed um, – the only reason why I'm, I'm really okay with it doing is, or him staying, his World Cup chances are on the line, and I think yeah. he's getting consistent 90-minute games or, clo- or close to. He's, he's starting, right? Definitely. And he's, he's scoring for them. It's probably his best chance to actually play his way onto the roster. Yeah, Rather than if he was to transfer great. in the summer with only a two-month you know, income period, you have to adjust to the new team, new coach, new system, new league. I, I, think, it's, I think it's the smartest for his career decision at the given moment. Um, if he has another great year, though, I would still love to see him transfer to a Germany or a Netherlands or something like that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, keep the number nine trend going. Josh Sargent, 68 minutes played, one goal, one out of one dribble is completed, two out of four aerial duels won. Curious on your thoughts here. Um, obviously, Sargent was the next big thing for us for a while. I made his move over to Wolf, uh, not Wolfsburg, uh, Werder Bremen. Then came over to Norwich after they got relegated. Didn't have a great Premier League year last year. He was in the national team, I think, for the one of the f- first qualifiers. I forget which which window he would have came in at. Um, didn't really impress too much. Not what we were looking for, and we pretty much just rotate number nines almost the entire way through. Do you think if he kills at the championship level for the next month, he has a chance, or he wasted his World Cup opportunity last year? Ooh, 
I don't think he wasted his opportunity. Um, I still think there's a possibility that you could end up seeing Josh Sargent in the team. Don't forget this World Cup, they did expand the roster size, so they're able to bring more players than what, what we're typically allowed. Um, given the question marks over the, the number nine spot, I think you have to look at it and, and say that there's really only two guys that are definitely going to be there in, in that striker role. And that's obviously uh, Jesus Ferreira, who we just talked about. And in my opinion, would be a, an absolute crime is uh, Jordan P. Folk. Agreed. Outside of that, you need one more guy, right? Um, and that, I think, comes down to now at this point, Josh Sargent, Ricardo Pepe, and Haji Wright. I think Haji Wright's on the outside looking in. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it personally. Um, and if Sargent kills it, you're taking the guy in form. I think you're absolutely taking the guy in form. Um, Pepe's not performing well either over at Augsburg last year uh, towards the end of the season. And he's not and- playing this year. He's not really playing. So yeah. it's 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 a lot of question marks over. I don't think he blew his chance. I just don't think it's – I think it's 50-50 up in the air right now. He has to continue to even have a shot at least. I, I think he has to murder it to the point of like – Greg's like, crap, I got to bring this guy back into uh, to camp. Yeah, he needs a goal every other game at this point. Well, it, oh, every game it almost feels like. <laughs> um, so then here I'm going to th- throw a wild, uh, little wild card at you. Brandon Vasquez, 90 minutes played over in – He's an MLS striker, plays for Cincinnati. Uh, one goal, fouled twice, won two of his four aerial duels. He has seven goals in his last seven matches um, on the season, 15 goals, four assists, 24 appearances. It, it feels rather late to introduce a new body yeah. into camp. But if you're talking about form, youth, a dual net, that would be go, you know, go towards recruiting. I... I don't hate it. I just don't know if it would be the right decision to bring Like you already have so much going on for Greg. Is it like worth having a new face, new body? No, I don't think so. I, I think you, you know who your, your roster is going to be for the most part at this point with a couple, a couple question marks, obviously what we just talked about being some of them. And I, I think doing this just throws another monkey wrench into the mix. Um, Players are healthy for the most part overall. I think you stick what you got, give a couple guys that are still on your question mark list uh, a look in and see how they can perform. And I think it's a little too late for him to be getting his his call up. With that being said, after the World Cup, yeah, if he's performing like this, he he'll he should definitely be included. I just think it's a little late at this point now to be bringing his name up into the roster. I, I, I'm with you. He, if whatever the first, I don't know the first camp, whatever it is in 2023, his name, if he's still performing, like you said, he's, he should be the first name on there. Like I, like you got to bring him in. You got to see him. Yes. Uh, in the United States men's national team uniform. So um, I'm with you on that. I wouldn't be shocked if it happens. You know, like we just said, Greg loves his MLS guys. It's very, very possible it happens. So, but just a name, just another name to throw out us. I mean, listen, any number nine at this point, <laughs> let's just try him out. Yeah. I'll take anything at this point. Anyone that can score a goal is is okay by me. You're you're in. Yeah, you're good. Just go. Yeah. <laughs> Just play. <laughs> Just head out. All right, man. Let's head over to the Premier League. Um, we had a wild, wild week. I'm really upset Mike's not here for this Chelsea Tottenham debate they're about to have. But um, let's kick it off from the start of the weekend. Aston Villa two, Everton one. Villa's back on track. Everton. It was an own goal that they scored, so it wasn't even their own attack. You know, after the signing of uh, Cody and Tarkowski, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, like my prediction was a little off. I don't know if I feel that way again. Uh, I feel like I'm back on track with their potential relegation here. <laughs> I think it's a little harsh. I think they played a good game. It's very unfortunate that a, a Dinier own goal comes in the, the 87th minute. Um, I'm, I mean, obviously zero points and a negative two goal differential, and, and, you know, after, after two matches is, is not the way you wanted to start the season, but I think it's definitely encouraging with the performances that they have put in so far. I didn't think they played poorly, especially given the lack of depth they have everywhere. They're kind of like a one-trick pony, in my opinion, at this point, um, because of the lack of always Frank's of replacements. Fucking, wow, whoops. Um, that was always Frank's thing, too, at Chelsea, right? It was the 4-3-3. Mm-hmm. I, it, was, it was similar to Sarri as well. Like, we're just going to sub in and not change formations and just, you know, new person in. Let's see what you can do instead. Like, no, bud, let's, you know, shift it around a little bit. Maybe change some of the center attacking mid and, like, just – so, I he's a dark horse for me to be first manager fired. Yeah, he's definitely still a dark horse for that. There's there's no question about it. I mean, you got to put a ten hog on that list, but that's another story. Um, I think there were encouraging signs from Everton in this game too, though. I mean, they had 15 shots, which was more than Villa. 
The worrying concern was the fact that only two of those ended up on target. I think they're definitely missing Calvert Lewin and um, they, they really need to figure out what they're going to do. And the worst part about that, that stat right there, 15 shots, two on target is that the vast majority of their shots, I think 11 of them came from inside the, side, the 18, right? no inside the 18. Oh, they're inside. So to, yeah, to have, to have that, amount of shots in the opposing team's box and to put that few on target and test the keeper is, is a, that's my worrying sign for them at this point. Um, but they're, I mean, they're, I mean, their expected goals were fairly strong throughout the match as well. It's just, it just didn't pan out for them. Not a, not an easy start either with Chelsea and Villa. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. If they go against guys that are teams uh, around where they, they might be sitting right now currently, although quite a few different names down there that we usually are seeing, but mm-hmm. regardless, um, yeah, we'll see what they match up to their own competition. If they start dropping points against the Nottingham Forest or the Brentfords and some other squads. Yeah, then worry. <laughs> Panic button, uh, but hit that thing. On a side note, Dan- um, Danny Ings on the scoreboard for for the villains, which is uh, really great to see. Him and Watkins had a fantastic game up front, and, that, and then they really need that going forward if they want to survive. Um, they have a very strong team, but those two guys are are definitely their talismans at this point. No offense to Coutinho. Someone's got to set him up, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving, moving over. Um, Gabriel Jesus, my lord. Um, what um, what did Man City not see in this guy? Seems like the real deal. Two goals, two assists, and a four-two thrashing of Leicester. I um, yeah, we're just gonna go with that. Uh, everyone should have him as FPL teams. Like like sign him. Cannot believe I didn't captain. Perfect. Him. Right now. Yeah, he's uh, out of his mind. I mean, I know he didn't get on the score sheet that first week, but he was electric to watch the sure. as well. Uh, that opening goal where he just – it kind of like felt like Ronaldinho S where he just stopped on top of the ball, just like was like, yeah, just just crack this in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was it was beautiful. Two goals. He could have had a hat trick, to be honest with you. Um, and he's looking every bit the player that Mikel Arteta was, was hoping for. So, I mean, great recruitment by them. And we were worried about whether or not he'd be able to lead the line. Um that's being answered. There's no question marks about it. It's just about longevity at this stage now. Yeah, I mean, granted, listen, they played Leicester, and um, who they open up with? I wanted Palace. Palace. Um, you know, mid-table teams. It'll be interesting to see when he goes up against the top six. What um, what kind of difference there is for him? What you know, how Arsenal plays as well. So, but yeah, I mean, listen, as of right now, uh, very, very good money well spent. That's the exact position they haven't been having for a while between Obama Yang's departure. Um, Lacazette's and go go even farther back too. So, yeah, uh, heading over to Brighton, nil nil against Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle's def- defense strong again. I think this is their second uh, second straight clean sheet right to open up the year. Yeah, uh, Newcastle officially one of the only two teams that hasn't conceded a goal yet, and the other one being I think you can guess Manchester City. <laughs> I think they play each other this coming uh, week too, right? Yeah, that's going to end this week. <laughs> one of them has to, one of them's letting in a goal, I think. Um, yeah, to your point, didn't allow a single big chance all game. Um, actually, sorry, let me rephrase that. They did allow chances, 13 shots in total, um, and allowed three big chances. But to keep that clean sheet, even, even with that statistic, it is very good for them. And it's a very good sign for them going forward. A lot of their signings, and I'm curious what you think about this, a lot of their signings have been made recently, at least towards the midfield and the forward line. Um, and I had question marks over the center back pairing because Trippier on the right hand side and the burn started from the last game with Pope and that is strong, but that that center back was a bit of a concern. So it looks like it's holding up for now. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, listen, injuries can always play a part. We've seen teams collapse like that over the past, but. I don't think they'd be afraid to splash the cash if needed. And they're still what two weeks from the window. So plenty of time in order to make a move, strengthen up the defense even more, and just kind of build this in depth there behind it. But I mean, they they signed what Target and um, somebody else I thought too this past yeah past, uh, window didn't they? Yeah, I can't, I can't even name off the top of my head. But um, I listen, man, I'm all over Newcastle. They the way they finished last season, the way they're going, ready to start the year. Yeah, I'm ready. And then props to Brighton. I like we. Yeah, I don't know how they keep doing it. It, it it doesn't make sense in my head logically. Grandfather's either the best manager of all time, or they don't make signings. They don't bring anything like they sell their players. Basuma went out the door this year. Yeah, I, I, it's 
good for them. Just like, literally just good for them. I, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't, it, nothing's logical about it. Yeah. Look, it's two games in. I'm not going to lose my mind over it. I mean, you can look at teams like Lester who had a tough, a tough two games to start with, obviously. So did West Ham. Uh, well, not so much West Ham, but um, yeah, I mean, Brighton, this is exactly what happened last year. They got off to a blistering start and they teetered yeah. off towards the middle of the year. So it just seems like uh, at least the good part of it <laughs> is, is repeating itself. So it'll be interesting to see if they can sustain that at all and finish towards like seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth again. Um, do you think they have that in them? Yes. More so, I don't trust anyone below them to really displace them. Okay. There's that like, so you have like that 15 to 20 tier, which is, they're all going to be fighting for relegation. Maybe even, maybe even 14. Like there's uh, so many like close teams or about five or six of them that I could, I could see it happening. The tier above them, I all see lower half quality. And then they're going to be battling it out with like, if we, what we thought was correct was probably like an Aston Villa, Brighton, Newcastle, Wolves. Wolves doesn't even look that great, but like, you know, I think they'll pull it out. They had a slow start last year. Leicester, I mean, I'm actually pretty down on Leicester. I, I, I don't see them finishing. I think they're the Everton of last year, truthfully. But, um, and, and you got like West Ham. And then, other under under there though like doesn't you know what i'm saying like those teams they might duke it out with but there's a very small point gap in between a, what was it ninth or eighth and 13th last year it's like a four point thing yeah eight, eighth place was Leicester last year with uh 52 points and um i mean you could even go down to 14th place Aston Villa at 45 points so i mean you're you're talking about seven points between 8 and 14 yeah i they're in that gap. It, it can, it, like you said, if, if they hold on a little stronger, they definitely can be to the top half of that. But they can also slip down. Yep, we'll see. I, I, I just don't think anyone underneath them can really take them too far. I like tenth place, like lower than tenth. I'd be disappointed for them. Yes, agreed. Um, heading over Man City four, Bournemouth nil. Pretty much, we all saw that one. Could have been a lot worse. Holland didn't even have a goal, only an assist. So if that doesn't city for what the city Bournemouth. Did I say United? I think so. I was like, are we skipping United? <laughs> City versus Bournemouth 4 up. Nah, no shot. I messed that up. <laughs> I could have misheard you. <laughs> I don't know. Take my host duties away if that's possible then. <laughs> um, yeah, we can just pretty much skip that one. Anything to comment? No, not much there. Otherwise, um, other than good comeback by Southampton, they were down 2-0 going into the 72nd minute when they first got back on the board. So, uh, that's a good a good fight by them because they're going to need every point they can get this season, um, and a bit disappointing for Leeds, but not not too much to go over here. A blistering performance by Rodrigo though, um, and Bram- Bamford going out was a bit worrying. That is probably the biggest piece from this match for me because I have Leeds being my dark horse this year to finish towards, um, like the top eight, top seven, top six for the European spots. And yeah, and he is a extremely massive part of everything that they do. Yeah, uh, offensively, assisting, goal scored, everything. So, especially coming off of injury I, last year. Yeah, if it's a long term thing, which they're making it sound like it's not, that they said it's like some kind of muscle strain should be maybe like a week or two max. Um, if that's the case, don't worry about him too much. But I'm a little disappointed in their defensive uh, structure in that game, uh, especially being up 2 0, giving it away. You could easily take six points out of six to start the year off, and that'd be huge for them. And just like, definitely just a confidence and ego boost, too. So, I think Marsh will be a little disappointed just just because of how the game flowed. But yeah. other than that, I mean, listen, to start the season off with four points when they were desperately fighting for relegation last year, never a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, Wolves nil, uh, Fulham nil. Fulham should have won this game. Mitrovic had a penalty saved, and they didn't even allow Wolves to have more than a goal or respect a goal for the entire game. I think it was like point eight eight or something like point eight nine. The defense is holding up. Yep, they look. Relatively good the first two games of the year. One one home and away. And one against Liverpool. But we'll get to that. I mean, they, they haven't looked great. But, yeah, dude. I, I picked Fulham to finish better than what people were expecting this year. I think they have a pretty good team behind them. And they have I a think- strong defense as well. In Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, Tete. Um, I forgot they had Polina. Um they're I'm telling you, they're gonna they're gonna surprise a lot of people. They're gonna they're reminding me a bit of Brentford earlier last year when they got off to that hot start as well. 
yeah, I, out of all the three relegation teams, or relegation teams, all three newly promoted teams that came up, I, like, I wasn't worried about them. Mm-hmm. I had, like, no... I, like, they weren't even in my relegation conversation, really. I, I really didn't feel... And now, like, I'm, I'm seeing it, and I'm like, okay, well, no, they can play with the big boys right now. So, I... Yeah. Yep. They could I have, have them had, avoiding what, relegation this year, so... Listen, they still have to turn into points, right? They had two draws to start the year, yeah. and one of them should have been a three points. So, listen, that that's that's common. I'm not going to say it's not. And if that's if they're going to go that route, then yes, they're going to be fighting a little bit harder than they should. But I, out of all of them, I, I feel the most confident in them at least. But again, yeah, very very early. I completely agree. Um, one everything else here. One of the bigger shocks of the weekend: Brentford one four, Man U nil. I think you mean um, the big shock of the weekend. <laughs> We had a few, but that was that was this is definitely the most yeah. statement game. Um, the storylines of Man U right now are absolutely insane. Um, Eric Tenha is just pooping his pants, not like literally like what did I take on? Everyone hates Ronaldo. He's eating lunch by himself. Um, the first time Man U lost their opening two Premier League games since ninety two ninety three, seven straight away losses dating back to last season. Worst run of form since nineteen thirty six. Ironically, the last time Brentford basically beat them in the top tier too. I so we talked about we talked about Ten Hag last week, right? And we said what could he even possibly do to turn this around? And we we didn't have an answer. I figured it out. The only thing there is is just time, and I don't mean a year. I don't mean six months. I don't mean a few months. I mean three, four, five years. This guy needs. I, there's no other way around it. Yeah, I I mean this is this is just talking about the same thing over and over again with them like it's the players man you can bring in whatever manager you want but i mean short short of changing your goalkeeper i mean what, what are you supposed to do the guy lets in an absolute howler and then plays a horrific pass into erickson in, in pressure here i mean these are player mistakes and i don't know what he's going to be able to do to fix him in the short term um especially given what's available to him at his, his disposal i mean they were absolutely dismantled in 35 minutes was like. dude that they were looking good they, they they like smelled the blood out and they were like we're take go just go like just press 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 and oh my god yeah i i mean I, look brentford played a good game the good good for them 100 but let's also not pretend that united didn't beat themselves within the first 20 minutes as well um i the ronaldo thing i mean it's probably true Let's be honest. I know he came out and was like, everything the media reports is not true. He said he had kept a journal of the last couple of years. Did you see this? No, I did not see this part. It's actually, okay. Please, yeah. please tell. <laughs> he, um, uh, you know, they report on him. He's Cristiano Ronaldo. This is what happens all the time. He said he keeps a journal of what like the media say, basically. And that like only two of like a hundred plus things are true. Like something weird like that. Um, that's like Michael Jordan level petty. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's leaving. <laughs> Who wants him though? Honestly. Nobody. He's an offer, man. Chelsea coming to get him. If we buy Ronaldo, that's worse than us going for. We didn't talk about the transfers, but we're looking at Anthony Gordon for like 45 mil. I want to throw up seeing that number in that player. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to Chelsea over there. But um, that's that's I, I was reading a little bit about that the other day, and that's mostly Todd Bowley's so new um, new strategy going forward. But look, how how worried are you about United? Because obviously, everyone that's a United supporter is worried about the team. But there's there's degrees to that, right? Are you are you talking about a tenth place finish, an eleventh place finish, a twelfth place finish, or are you talking about like we'll just miss out on European spots? So I was I was I was really hoping Mike would have been on for this debate because I, I just wanted like three different heads speaking about this. I was going to ask you kind of something similar. Whereas typically every 10, 15, 20 years, you see the top six change, right? New teams come in, new teams come out. It felt like over the last decade or so, though, so much money's been pumped into the Premier League where I don't know if it's enough if it's too much for other teams to really break into, right? You'll have the occasional year, a Leicester thing, right? West Ham's been looking good the last couple of years. Um but like actual long-term sustainability, it would seem like it was almost impossible for more teams to break into that. Arsenal was on the very verge of falling out of that for quite yes. a while 
like they were like a half a season away to where I thought they were not only to become irrelevant, but Europe wasn't even in their conversation at that point. Like for like that would that would have been a blessing. Yep. They turned it around and they're on the up and up, but they went through some dark times. Like Arteta was probably two losses away from getting fired, like kind of times. Like that that's how like on the verge I felt like they were, and they brought it back at least for the time being. I think Man U goes down a very similar path. I. I just find it hard in today's day and age, like I said, with the money, the prestige of Man U. Our generation growing up with them is one of the best teams ever for not, not like and like wanting to play for them. This season, yeah, dude, Europe doesn't even look possible at this point, right? Like it's Ronaldo ba- basically kept them afloat last season. It's not possible. Bruno is playing like. Fernandez is playing terrible right now. Like Rashford's basically getting talked about on the PSG. I don't know if that's still going, like happening or whatnot. I, no one wants to be there. Like it, it's like the most toxic dressing room of all time. Like rip the program down, rebuild from the top up, and just take your like. Like I said, it's a three to five year project. Like every fan has to realize that, understand it. This isn't a one year thing. It, it's not what like like that was the best case scenario if Ten Hag came in there and like somehow magically made it work. I'm sorry, it's not the case. You're looking at three to five years. There's, you, I, I, how do you see anything different? You know do you mean? think Ten Hag is the man to do it? Because obviously we all thought he was coming into this, but those were two of the worst. That was one of the worst results I've seen Man United have ever. I mean, obviously there's there's some that you'll you'll think about right off the top of your head, such as uh, Liverpool and them last year. Um, but there's there's going to be question marks coming end of the season, regardless of the fact that the team has underperformed perennially for the last almost decade now at this point since Fergie left to their um, standards. Correct. Yeah. Um, so do you still would, if Manchester United finished 10th place this season, do you still think that Eric Ten Hag's a man to take them forward? I would think it, unless they finish so like legit below 10th, there's no reason to fire him. Agreed. Like who's, who else is going to come out, come in with that squad? Like if you're just going to turn over managers again, then these are like, you're gonna have to replace the players that he just brought in. Like he's inheriting a squad that Ole brought in. Half the players are gone. Half of them they overpaid for and like were useless. He's just inheriting a mess. Yeah. It it's it, it's all right for we're Americans. Let's put it into like a perspective, right? A, like a NFL team or a college football team. Do you fire your coach after you know three years? I mean, no. You have to like bring in new recruits, right? You have your new for incoming freshmen. If you're talking about college, like. You have a draft process. If we're talking about the NFL, there's you have to give them time. Like you're not you're not going to get relegated. You're nowhere near that that like that level, right? Yeah. You got to eat your shit. I'm sorry. Like like you're, you're done for like a year. Agreed. Like, just blow it up, rebuild, and just give the guy like just give him time. Yep. You'll probably see in year two or three, you're like, okay, maybe it's not the dude, but maybe we're getting the players. Because right now it's the players' fault. I don't see it much on the manager. Absolutely. Absolutely on the players. Um, at this point, it almost seems like Ronaldo leaving would be something good for them. They probably weighed off their shoulders. Everyone's like locker, like locker room wise. Like I don't think like some fans understand like how much that plays a part. Like when you have a toxic locker room, it sucks to go to practice. It sucks to be around everybody. It, it's like, it, like I'll never. Like, I'm not like this is anywhere even close, but I'll never forget myself when you're basketball. Like we went like three and twenty one. I was like on like I got like promoted to varsity, and I was like. This sucks. Like yeah. this is how it's gonna go. Like, I don't even know if I want to play that anymore. Like, and I love the sport. Like, we turned it around. We had three, but we did it in two. We did it in two years. So it's gonna it's gonna take time. A little quicker. So, I mean, uh, just brace yourself, Man U fans. Embrace it. No, you're not gonna go anywhere. Uh, and if you wh- do, while we're on the subject of Manchester United, this is complete. It's it's related, but it's unrelated to the game. Did you see Elon Musk the other day? Oh, God, what, what did he say? Is he starting a football match on Mars? Elon Musk claimed he was going to buy Manchester United. He, tw- <laughs> he tweeted, also, I'm buying Manchester United. You're welcome. <laughs> that was, that was awesome. a Tuesday evening um, in American time. So yesterday for us, or today for us, excuse me. Um, this just came out. So... <laughs> Could you imagine if Elon Musk went out and bought Manchester United? I mean, wouldn't be the worst thing, but is he going to buy him like he bought Twitter or is he going to buy him like he actually bought him? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's the hope that he avoids. 
All right, it's enough bashing of them. Let's let's, let's move on a little bit here. Um, another shock for uh, result of the weekend: Nottingham Forest one, West Ham nil. Um, awesome for awesome for Forest, right? First game back in the Premier League in God knows what 20, 20 plus years, twenty three something like that. Getting the win at home, that's that's great. They they survived like like they didn't thrive in this win they survived they got the one nil they had a penalty saved by dean henderson like they barely escaped west ham created a ton of chances so although i think an zero and two start for west ham was troubling they played a manchester city team were outclassed not a big issue they go away to a newly promoted team always a tough always 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 a tough fixture for you know a newly promoted team at home first game of the year they were very creative i think the record sucks right now the point tally sucks I'm not as concerned based off their performance, though. No, I'm I'm not concerned in the slightest. Um, let's let's make something very clear though. Nottingham Forest did not win that game. Dean Henderson won that game. Anytime your goalkeeper's man of the match and plays a 9.1 with a penalty save, like he stood on his head. That game could easily have been two or three, like three nil one, West like... Ham. Yeah, easily could have been. So I, I would agree with you. I'm not worried about West Ham United. They're a good team with quality players and a good manager in David Moyes, which I never thought I would have said eight years ago. Um, but they they got unlucky in this one. And so good on Nottingham Forest because that three points is big against a team that they probably, and let's be honest, no disrespect to Nottingham Forest, they probably shouldn't have won um, in the Premier League season once you're newly promoted. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Premier League script writers had this one spot on. They did a phenomenal job. There's nothing else to explain that kind of outcome. Yeah. So um, I'm going to skip this this next one. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about it last. Let's just head over to the Monday game real quick. Liverpool won one with Palace. Um, interesting result. Obviously, Nunez got the red card. Anderson had him in his pocket. I don't know if you watched, the, like, just watched the entire game or even just the highlights of what he was doing to Nunez. He's not like he has to understand he's going to be targeted in the Premier League by like and Anderson played that to a freaking T like yeah inside I, his head absolutely and all the other teams are going to see that now and, and they're going to push his buttons um I mean he's not the first Uruguayan in Liverpool to lose his head let's be honest here <laughs> <laughs> I think we can name the other one um but is that Ver- I mean, even Virgil Van Dyke like it's it's worrying that Virgil van Dyke had to come out after his second game and basically say he needs to learn how to control himself. Um, and Jurgen Klopp has said that as well. So it's, it almost seems like in trainings or in maybe some preseason matches, it's, it's seen the same way. He's a young kid. He's from Uruguay played in, played in um, the Portuguese league. Uh, we know, we know how it goes with the tensions high and the Premier League is a very physical league. So I don't want to read too much into it, but yeah, it, it, let's not pretend it's not worrying slightly. Yeah, listen, you got like I'm sorry, you're I'm not this in Portugal by any means, right? They're technically a top five league, I think, right? They took over the uh I think I they, they took it back, back but yeah. They? Okay. Regardless, um, it's still a great league over there, but the physicality is not anywhere close to that of the Premier League. Like it's it's just not. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like look good on Palace. We had them as 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 one of our stronger teams this year that people wouldn't have expected for the most part, you know? Um uh, let me ask you something, because did you watch? I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch the game, but I did. Yeah, Liverpool easily could have been down 2-0 within the first half. Are you yeah, more worried different. about Liverpool? The fact that they they're opening up to these chances and letting two goals against the newly promoted side in their opening game, or are you more concerned about the absolute control that they had in this match and couldn't find the back of the net? I mean, a little of both, but honestly, what I'm most concerned about is, is the title race already. They're four points down, two games in. Do yeah, you, City's I not going to drop points like that. City's, City's rolling. Like, they, they're opening up the league. Typically, if you want to face a good team, you want to face them early in the, league, early in the season, and, and in most sports, just because the, they're not like they don't have their full form yet. They don't know who they are as an identity. Man City knows who they are. They are like, they just, they just got the last piece in Holland just to put it together. They never skipped a beat. I, Listen, I'm not saying the title race is over, but if when Liverpool plays City, they better freaking win or it's over. <laughs> like they better win. They have to win both games. They have I, to win both games because this is not the this is not the only the last time they're going to draw to a team that that they would have beat the previous season. And imagine that, don't that was right now. Yeah, Liverpool last year would have pulled this out. 
Darwin Nunez getting sent off in what the 68th minute. I'm sorry, 57th minute. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever it was. Look, but he's not he's not sent off. I still think they win that game though. They had, I don't know, in both games against Fulham and Crystal Palace, they had controlling moments where like they they just couldn't finish, they couldn't put it away, and. I mean, listen, they lost last year by a point. We brought that up already, but I I didn't think they were on City's level, and I'm and I'm firmly believing that right now, just just by the opening two games and just the stark difference between both the outcomes for both both uh, clubs. Yeah, I mean, obviously not worried about them. They're they're going to finish in the top four. Uh, if not, that would be tragic. But um, title race cool. is is definitely in question already. And that's sad to say because it's two games in and it's, it seems like an overreaction, but it, it's not at the same time. Not the way they be played, but uh, no. yo, imagine they don't make top four. The clock pressers, oh, it's not our fault. The ref screwed us. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> like, what, like, that would be criminal if they didn't that. make that, but <laughs> that'd be phenomenal. We have um, the big one. Right, let's talk about, about. The- Oh my God. Um, all right. To preface this, anyone that's maybe tuning in for the first time, Vito and I are both Chelsea fans. Uh, it was, it was pre Abramovich money. So don't hate us too much. All right. We're going to think of this from what I really wish Mike was here. Like I, I think I said that a few times already, but he's a Spurs fan. This would have been a great debate. I watched the game with him at the bar. Oh geez. Yeah. I met him on, in LA. Um, all right, two two. I mean, you can call this handshake gate. You can call it like, whatever, whatever name you want to <laughs> give this. It was an absolute phenomenal match in terms of passion, the outcome, the players, the hate, the rivalry. Like it, it lived up to every expectation without a doubt. It was fun to watch. Disappointing from a jealousy perspective. Okay, so I'll I'll ask you straight up: Should both of Spurs' goals have stood? The first one, I'll give you 50-50 on. I know most people are going to be split on that, depending on your allegiance and things of that nature. But as far as the second goal is concerned, absolutely not. Okay. Kukurea is pulled down by his hair in the box. Referee is standing right in front of him. Clear line of sight. Misses it. Stops play. There's a chance for VR to look at it, and they don't overturn it. It, it easily should have been not only called the first time around, but spotted. I don't even know if VR could do that, but at this point, who knows what the hell VAR does. Um, but no, they, that, they that could have given a red card. I don't know if they could have turned over the possession. I, 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 I'm I, assuming because of the foul they should be able to. That would seem like the logical decision. Yes. I. How do you not change that? I. I yeah, because it's being, you know it's being not looked violent at for conduct. conduct. I, I. I, I want to try to be like as not biased as possible. The first goal, 50-50, I agree with you. Havertz was definitely fouled. Um, the angle the ref had, maybe not as much. He probably looked like the ball got poked away. So I'm not going to hate on him for that. Jorginho also did horribly. Got benched immediately Agreed. after and should have cleared that. So I will, I'll give him that goal. That's fine. We like That was more of a Chelsea fuck-up than anything else. I, I'm with you. The second one makes no sense. Yeah. And and you know what is is I thought about recently too is – Romero was the one who pulled down Kukurea by his hair. Earlier in that match, Kukurea and Kai Havertz went after each other once or twice within a couple minute span, including head to heads, and easily could have been both given yellow cards for their for the behavior. If that was done, then I think VAR looks at that and goes, "Is this a second yellow card for a send off?" But without providing that yellow card earlier to either of them, because Romero was fiery that entire match. That made it a little bit more difficult. Disappointing result by Chelsea. Tottenham will be thanking the stars that they were able to walk out of there with a the draw at this stage. I, yeah, I listen. I thought this from a referee standpoint. I thought it was absolutely horrendous. Just, it was just terrible. The, the entire game. I'm not, I'm not even going to say. I'm not even going to say the major stuff. Just the entire game was terrible. The only thing that I enjoyed was he let them play, and the both teams understood that, and they got physical with each other, and it was, I won't say violent by any means, but like. There were some there were some heavy tackles going in, which is great to see for the game. The Premier League's trying to encourage that a lot more than what you know the flopping and all that kind of crap. Um, quick, I just want to run this down with you. So Anthony Taylor, whenever he refs a Chelsea match, seems to always have some controversy. Um, here's a, here's a quick list of everything that he's done for them. Uh, the Mateo Kovacic red card in the FA Cup final against uh, Arsenal when Kovacic got stepped on making a tackle. Got he was the one that got stepped on making a tackle and got a red card. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Harry Maguire um, literally just kicked Mishi uh, Bashwine in the nuts. Uh, back in February 2020, 
and then had the game-winning header of said game. Not sent off, not even looked at. Um, Paulo, uh, I how do you say the Tottenham's keeper's name? Paulo Gazanina, whatever. Full-on runs into Marcus Alonso. Clearest of day penalty. Taylor calls against Alonso. Thank God for VAR that day because they actually overturned it. And they're like, yeah, you're an idiot. I, I Ridiculous. You got Romero yeah. pulling Kukur out of there. We just saw. Reese James red card against Liverpool. I'm okay with that one. I thought he did, his hand did come up on the on the goal line. I'm fine with that. But I'm just saying that that's some questionable stuff that was thrown in. The Alexis Sanchez handball leading up to a goal in the FA Cup final against Chelsea in May of 2017. And then Harry Maguire also holding, in the, I think it was the same game. No, that, that was the October game. Um, literally having a stranglehold on Azpilicueta in the box. This dude yeah, hates us. Um, dude literally hates us. Chelsea started a petition and got 150,000 signatures already. Um, I saw that. That much. is absolutely absurd. Yeah. Um, it, dude, how bad are you? What's the point of having VAR if we're not going to use it? If Like, just... Can they, can they just create, like, VAR to be, like, can we use, like, just use your logic? Like, the refs are afraid to almost overturn their 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 colleagues. Yes, like, definitely. They don't want to that's, that's what I agree with is, is more of the concern here because, like, I – look, for all we know, he didn't see the – he didn't see the foul. The, it, it happened as the ball was coming into the box. He probably had his eyes on that at some point for handball or something. He has a bunch Picture. of different things to watch. I'm not of even course. for that. I, of course. My concern is the fact that VAR didn't step in and go – this dude got pulled down by his hair in the box. It couldn't be. It just couldn't be more obvious. Yes. And and look, I don't. I don't want to belabor the point here. I don't want this to sound like I'm. I'm trying to be biased because I. I actually do think the first goal that the Spurs scored probably probably should have stood. It's a feisty goal. Yeah, Jorginho screwed it up. I'm fine with it. I know there was a lot of question marks over that too, and they wanted to look at. Um, I. It, for me, at least for this match, this was a complete reversal of the opening match week. For Chelsea and Spurs, don't you think, in terms of their performances and what you saw on the field? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And the worst part is, like, that was a, that was a table deciding, like, goal, right? Like, we're we have six points, they have three. Like, we're fighting for the top four against Tottenham to drop two points against them, like specifically against them too, when it was clearly like like we should not have. That's what's angering about the result for me. Like, yeah, again, that, 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 goal, that VAR. second goal directly impacted two, like, two extra points. Yeah, but look, you know what? Credit to Spurs, man. I, I mean, you got to be a match for the dark arts sometimes, and they got away with it, so Absolutely. good on them. And you know what? A, a Spurs team in the past may not have been able to fight back they fold to gain those points at the bridge. So a lot of credit to Spurs by sticking in a game that they did not play well in at all, to be completely honest with you. Kane missed a – let's not forget, too, Kane missed a sitter – um, not a sitter per se, but a one-on-one yeah. opportunity with Mendy, and he put it wide of the post. Granted, Kai Evers did the same thing, but but I like the fight that we're, you're seeing from Tottenham going going forward. Um, they're not willing to lie down and take it, and that's the Antonio Conte effect. He would he he would never stand for that in a heartbeat, you know. So um, it's just it On feels like a different two. Tottenham team, and it feels like another reason that I have them finishing third in the league this season. Correct, I. Also, want to point out too when Conte made his changes, Tuchel did not adjust. Conte was definitely the better manager in, in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Chelsea's talent got them the draw or would have gotten them the, the win. Conte's managing of the game is what got Tottenham back into it as well. When he yes. made his changes around the maybe like the 50th, 60th minute, the game entirely changed. Entirely changed. Tuchel well, had brought- the same game plan, just swap players and then. Same, same should happen. It was more towards the 80th where Charleston came in in 57th, but then it was three more changes in this in the 80th minute, basically. Um, well, he, he started he started changing the shape up, um, like early, yeah. early on, earlier on the second half, and then then you saw you saw a different Spurs start playing. What do you make of the N'Golo Conte injury and what that's going to do to this Chelsea team, given the fact um, that they don't really Kovacic is also out injured. They don't have too many holding midfielders over there. If Connor Gallagher doesn't start, I'm firing Tuchel. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Conor Gallagher or Loftus-Cheek need to start because that was a brilliant move with Loftus-Cheek. He was fantastic that game. Yeah, I'm listen. I'm not like the biggest fan of his anymore. I think he's blown. I think he's had enough of. He just hasn't developed into what Chelsea thought he could be. He, I thought he played relatively very, very good uh, in this past game. So he's versatile. We've seen him up top in a in a front three before. We've seen him obviously in defensive mid situations, center attacking mid, now right wing back. Like 
good for him. He's fighting for a spot in any way possible to get onto the team. I'm all for it, and he looked good. Um, listen, Gallagher had an excellent, excellent, excellent season last year at Palace, and deservedly should be starting uh, for this squad right now. Jorginho, I've wanted him out for a while. I I would love to see him get benched even just for the way he the way he gave that goal away. Um, we'll see it. We'll see that goes just because of how um how desperate we are at midfield right now. But let's kind of let, let's talk about the Tuchel um Conte situation real quick. What do you make of it? Um, I I love it. Listen, for a TV perspective and a and a rivalry and all that kind of stuff, I think it's awesome. You have to have that kind of stuff. The banter on on Instagram later that night from Conte was funny as hell. Yeah, I really hope the Premier League doesn't take any action on them. I think you need something like that, some good headlines, some good like just bring some passion into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna find them without a doubt. But suspending them past the red card that they were already both given is uh, would be a little extreme in my opinion as well. Um, look, this is Chelsea Spurs. This is Battle of the Bridge two. This is let's not this is the like most heated rivalry like in in the Premier League, and it has been for years at this point. And I I love it to be honest. I absolutely love it. They're both incredibly passionate managers. I mean, there's no secret Antonio Conte is. So when he started celebrating and going up and down the line, et cetera, I, I, you know, it set Tuchel off. Tuchel didn't respond very well. It was, you know, they're both at fault for what happened, but it's good to see. I like to see that. I like to see the passion from the managers when their team scores. You know, it's, I feel like in the past, you get some managers that are just like, put their fists in the air, like awesome. And then they go sit down. You know what I'm saying? So. Some emotion, you know, some, some yeah, personalities. I, in let's there. just get it's, it's Dana White on the phone. Let's do Battle of the Bridge number three in in the octagon though this time, and let's just pit them against each other. Best man wins. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> who, do you, who do you think? Who do you honestly? I was gonna bring that up too. Who do you who do you think would take it in a one on one? I don't like, know, man. Tuchel's Tony Conte probably. He guy's scrappy, but but Tuchel's got the reach, man. You don't want to bet against a German with the reach. You saw what you saw what happened to Apollo Creed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Conte be an excellent ground and pound kind of guy. Just gets Tuchel on the ground, get underneath him like little little Khabib action, <laughs> and, and, just, and just starts going 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 after him. Yeah, but so. look. It, this wasn't too big of a deal. You you expect this with Chelsea Spurs, and and it, it's good for the game. It's it's people enjoy it, and it's not like they punch each other in the head. So, it live and let live. And even um, if they did, I'm just going to make the next round expensive, uh, more fun. So, no, yeah. I agree. And if they meet for the cup matches or something like that along the way, I'm all yeah. for it. It's going to be great. So, to uh, to end the show though, let's uh, go through our match previews for the upcoming match week three. Uh, first off, we have Spurs versus Wolves. Um, God, Wolves with another slow start to the year. I'm probably gonna take Spurs in this one, especially after such a fiery uh, comeback. I think they're uh, they're looking to get back at it. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, home match for Spurs. I think they're gonna put that result behind them. I can't see an Antonio Conte team underperforming to that degree two weeks in a row against a, a struggling Wolves side at the moment. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Palace hosting Vela. I'm gonna take a Palace win. They've been playing pretty well. Uh, I think they've been unlucky. They've played two good teams to start off the year. And I don't know if I just use the gambler's logic saying they're due, but at home, they feel they deserve the result recently and they haven't gotten it. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're, they played extremely well. I, I think this is going to end up more as, more as a draw. I think they're two very well evenly matched teams. Um, and obviously that game against Liverpool, you, you know, you can say they went, they should have went up 2-0 um, after the Zaha miss for the second time. Um but I think both teams are going to be playing a bit of an expansion style. That these this is the matches where they get to play more fluid attacking football, and we'll see what happens. But I think it's going to end up probably one one again this time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many good matches we have here. So many even ones that, are, that we're going to talk about. Everton hosting Forest. Um, this one's tough for me. I I think we get a draw here. I wrote down I, that you were going to say draw before you just said it. I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I read it as it was coming in. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna take it back from you. <laughs> um, I mean, Forrest coming off a big win. Everton, we said they've looked better, but like haven't been enough to actually gain some points. So, um, new signings, everything going right at Forrest right now. I'll, I'll, I'll take them to grab one, like a one think, one, even maybe no nil. I think it was the, this is where the magic runs out for Forrest and Everton started turning around. I think they're going to get the three points. We shall see. Hopefully for Fatty Frank. Yeah. Uh, Fulham hosting Brentford. This is actually a really good one. Again, damn. Um, can Fulham get off the draw duck, or does Brentford continue their magic? I think Fulham's gonna gonna win this match. Do you think it's a letdown game for Brentford after coming off such a high at home? You're going the like a, a amazing home win against against Man U, then they go away to a, a 
probably right around the same table, like spot of the table they're going to end up as. But yeah, I think they're evenly matched teams overall. I think Fulham, like we said, like I said earlier, is one of my is is going to finish a little bit higher than, in the table than expected. It's at Craven Cottage, so Fulham's got the home field advantage, and their stadium is usually pretty rocking. Um, I think they're going to ride ride this wave. I mean, they drew against Liverpool, number one, who's is an, obviously an, an incredible team. Um, I like this Fulham side. I think they're resilient, and I think you're going to see a little bit of a slump from Brentford after the magic that happened uh, against Manchester United. Yeah, it's, I see everything you're saying, and every time I agree with you, you force me to make a decision. Um, it's usually wrong, so I'm going to take a draw. <laughs> Sheesh. Sheesh, homie. Um, moving on, Leicester hosting Southampton. Both teams desperately could use some three points here. Um, what do we, What do you think we see out of Leicester in this one, man? They are Jekyll and Hyde, like beyond belief. Yeah, I, I think last week they got outplayed by, uh, obviously, better team in, in Arsenal, but they had their opportunities, right? They still put two past them. They had a, a penalty overturn. We've already got in behind again. So th- they're a good side. Southampton obviously just had a great result coming back two with two goals in about 10 minutes to get to nab a draw against Leeds last week. So these, these are two teams that I think are playing decent football so far, obviously two games in. And I think Leicester is just going to edge out South Southampton in this one. I, I this can go either way. I, you, these are two teams you can't predict. <laughs> like I, you can you get look, a James Ward-Prowse masterclass, or you can get a Jamie Vardy hat trick. You know, um, but ultimately, I think <laughs> so Leicester City are going to pull it out and get their first three points. What do the sports book have this one as? Uh, are are they plus money at home or are they minus money? Maybe one second. I'm really curious. <laughs> are they plus or minus? You're going by the gambling. Well, no, I'm, I'm curious. I'm just curious what they think of it because. Like when you see a team or like a, like a uh, like a match that comes up and it's like all three all three uh, results are, are plus money, you're like, all right, then you know it's gonna be like a close one. Like let's just I'm just curious where they're at. Hold on one second here. Sorry to stall the show. I should have had this pulled up already. Yeah, I mean, I mean, head to head, Leicester and yeah. Southampton um, have met a total of twenty times. Um, that includes like FA Cup matches and the EFL Cup, etc. And that goes back into 2011, actually. And Lester's won 11 of those 20. So value for your money, you're going to probably want Lester in this bad boy. Yeah, they're minus 120, draws plus 290. A Southampton wins plus 300. Um, Crystal Palace, actually, plus 145, draws plus 220. And a Aston Villa wins plus 190. So that game, they're, they're predicting to be wide open. Yeah. Um, um, I'll take Lester. I'll, I'll go with you on that one. It, it seems... Like they should, they should just take care of business in that one, but they, they yeah. never do. <laughs> they haven't beat them since January of 2020. Lester's, Lester's avoided defeat or won um, in the last five matchups. So, oof, I don't know. Maybe they're due. All right, give me, <laughs> just give me Lester. I don't want to take it over. It <laughs> uh, Bournemouth hosting Arsenal. I, I just, I, there's nothing I can say against bad against Arsenal right now, really. Um, just throw yeah. them on there. Just like Norton, Newcastle is one of only two teams to not concede a goal. This season so far, Arsenal's only one of two teams to win both their opening matches. So, boom. I wonder yeah, if that. I wonder how long it's been since something like that has happened. That a team, only two teams, have won their opening matches. Yeah, that is, that is interesting, actually. Um, plus, I mean, Arsenal's about to pull the exact opposite of what they did last year. Started zero and three. Now they're going to be three and zero. <laughs> um, Leeds hosting Chelsea after the God. Um, it, it's a trap game. It is most certainly a bad game. After I, did, I I really didn't like the second half of Leeds, and that's why I'm just gonna give Chelsea the slight edge here, and I'll take them uh, for all three points. I think they'll be fired up about that result, and they could come in and just potentially just kick Leeds' ass. Yeah, I, I, I initially was thinking draw, but given given the fire that's gonna be underneath their asses after last week, I, I I'd be worried if we're Leeds at this point. Yeah, even even playing at home, so T- uh, tall test for uh, our boy Jesse over there. Uh, West Ham against Brighton. I think it's going to be a draw for this right. match. Brighton's playing well. West Ham's been unlucky, but they have also been playing well. Um, Graham Potter has usually has Brighton rolling pretty pretty early on in the season, so it's, it's still early. I'll I'll take a surprise draw here. My gut says West Ham, obviously, but um, I like the surprise in this one. <sighs> Tough one. Um, the books don't trust West Ham either. They have a plus one thirty at home. Um, I'm gonna take the draw as well. 
I just they seem so. I I feel like almost half the games this week are just so evenly matched. Um, City yeah. versus Newcastle or Newcastle hosting City. Um, I'm not gonna go against City right now. They're they're just rolling. I don't think Newcastle rolls over though. I think both teams score in this one, and it it's gonna be closer than I think people realize or or think. The books don't believe so. Newcastle plus 700 for the win, plus 410 for the draw. I would actually take a good bet in here to, to lower your odds on City. I would take them to City and both teams to score. Um, I do see Newcastle least nicking one in this one. Yeah, I, I, there's going to be a very, very, very small amount of games this year. You're going to bet against City to win, um, and I don't think this is one of them, unfortunately, for for Newcastle. So I'll take City in this one. I think the, the last one in Manchester United and Liverpool is also, I mean, one of those cases for us as well. I think we're almost ending on two quote-unquote easy ones. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm going to take Liverpool here. Do you think there's any chance, like, Ten Hag can, like, get, like, channel into the old rivalry of, like, Man U, Liverpool, and, like, potentially just draw something up for his team to, to feed off of, like, at all? I think it's going to depend on whether or not Ronaldo's got his head out of the door. Um, after a result, which has happened, this is a game that has Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo hat-trick written all over it. Um, but I think he's fed up and he wants to leave, and I don't think he gives a shit. Um but with that being said, he's still going to go out there and give everything he has. I just think Liverpool's got too much for them at this stage. Very fair. Um, yeah, so I'm Liverpool as well. Any other uh, kind of final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, man. Um, I just I'm I don't know about you. I've been thinking about it recently. Um, I can't wait for the midweek matches to get back a little bit too, so we can <laughs> we can start having some Tuesday Tuesday matches, Wednesday matches, etc. Yeah, no, waiting, waiting a week kind of sucks sometimes, but don't yeah. worry, we have that. We'll have those eventually. We'll have the World Cup. We're going to have a uh, quite a hell of a fall and uh, winter here. Yes, we are. So that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets and updates about the show, World Football, United States Men National Team, and the Premier League. I'm your host, Steve, with Vito, signing off.